He's going to speak for the, the, the same amount of time as normal, and I'm not, but I do pray that, uh, that uh, what, we, what we see from God's Word will, will, will uh, meet us right where we're at. Uh, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to pray for us as, as you turn, and uh, then we'll, we'll jump right into it. Let's pray. Father... Uh, thank you for your word, and I thank you for uh, again for these families. Lord, I pray for the kids that they would know you and make you know. They would understand your grace and pursue righteousness. And Lord, that the church would be there to help all along the way. For your glory and for our good. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, here's what it says. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, if I could just say it and then it be, and we just did it, I mean, we'd be done today, all right? <laughs> children, obey your parents, all right, let's go. But we know that's not how it works, and I'm actually glad that's not how it works, because sometimes I tell my kids to do terrible things, not like terrible like crime things, but terrible things as far as, that's a dumb idea, all right? So sometimes, I'm not, I, don't tell them I said that, but sometimes I'm glad they go, eh, I'm not so sure. Because I'm a fallen dad. Goes on. Honor your father and mother. That's rich. For this is the first commandment with a promise. We don't have time this morning. We'll have to come back. Verse 3. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Verse 4. This is where we want to camp out for a few minutes. Fathers. Now, whenever you are in seminary or or Bible college, um, they say, find out what the text says and then teach that. Don't add anything. And, but this morning, I want to add mothers and grandparents and aunts and uncles, and I, I think you'll understand that, that I, don't, I don't think we're, we're going outside or stepping outside the bounds of Scripture whenever we encourage all of us, friends, grandparents, mothers, aunts, uncles, moms, and dads, in, in what we're going to look at this morning. But Paul specifically addresses fathers because I think he knows that we're bad at what he's about to, to, to tell us not to do. All right. I'll never forget. I was a youth pastor, and I Grayson had been born. Uh, he was a couple years old, and I and and I just felt like this was. I probably break this this command more than any other in the Bible, and I felt like I was the only one. And there was another Sunday school teacher, and I was sitting in on this class, and he taught. He we were at Ephesians chapter six, and he said, "Guys, I got to just tell you, I probably do this more than anybody else." And it was like a weight came off of my shoulders. I thought I was the only dad. That was that, that provoked their children, provoked their son uh, to anger. And it was, it, I should have known better, but I think all of us dads were kind of inclined this way. But he says dads, addresses dads specifically, but everybody generally. Dads, do not provoke your children to anger. In my, in my notes, it, in the original text, this word provoke uh, literally means to irritate or to stir uh, up. And then the word anger literally means to be to lead them to disheartened, to be disheartened or dispirited. So here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying fathers and, and, and mothers and, and grandmothers and, and all, don't, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't, don't put a weight on them that leads them to be dispirited. Don't, don't put a weight on their shoulders in a constant way. Don't, don't constantly push them down and 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 and, and, and um, tell them what they're doing wrong over and over and over again so that it leads to them being dispirited. Here's, here's what he's 
a picture of what he's trying to say. Don't stay on your kids so much that they eventually just throw up their hands and go, I'm not even, why do I even try? I, I could never do anything right. You always are on me. You're always telling me what I'm doing is wrong. And so you lead them over the course of years to throwing up their hands and going, why even try anymore? Why even try? I put, the issue is that the more you provoke your children, the closer you bring them to having no motivation whatsoever to do what is right. I, I, I also added in my notes that if Paul was writing today, he would say, Mom and Dad, Dad specifically, sometimes you just got to get off their back. So he says, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't, don't put a weight on them that leads them to being dispirited. But instead, instead of doing that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring them up. That, that, that word, bring them up, is, it literally is the, is, is the purpose of parenting. It's training them to the point that they don't need you anymore. It's, it's guiding them, helping them understand what is right, uh, leading them, training them to make right decisions to the point where when, when, when the appropriate time comes, they don't need you around anymore. They can do it themselves. So you're, you're, you're training them, you're, you're helping them to the point that they don't need you anymore. And that's the picture that Paul gives with it, bring them up. It means to nurture to care, to look at who they are and nurture that person that God has given you to the point that they will, there will come a time that they don't need you any longer to make right decisions, to know the right way to go. It's, it's nurturing who, the way God's wired them to be the person that God desires them to be. It's encouraging them in their strengths and challenging them in their weaknesses, nurturing them to become the person that God desires them to be. In our house, Grayson, he has a soft heart. He, he can walk into a room. Now, sometimes it's crazy. I mean, he is eight after all, but you're like, ah, I don't know. But he, 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 he can walk into a room and he can tell almost instantly who needs a friend. He can tell almost inst instantly if something is off, if, if, if somebody's having a bad day. I mean, it's all it, it's innate. It, it's given by God. It's a unique gifting that he has given by God. For example, earlier this year, he was in class, and they had a pajama day. And, and I don't remember the, the reason, but it was pajama day, and all the kids came with their pajamas on. Well, at the end of the day, as is our custom, we said, hey, how was your day? What was going on? And we'll ask some specific questions about his day. And this particular day, Mary Jo was talking to him, and, and she said, how was your day? He said, it was great. How'd you like pajama day? It was awesome. But mom, there's this one boy, he was the only one in our class who did not have pajamas on. Why, why do you think that was? And Mary Jo said, I don't know, but I'll, I'll ask your teacher. He was concerned about him because he was the only one that was, that was left out of pajama day. So Mary Jo sent uh, an email, I believe, to, to Grayson's teacher said, hey, Grayson loved pajama day, but there's this one boy, explained who he was, gave his name, he didn't have pajamas, and Grayson was concerned about him. Do you know why he didn't have pajamas? So I can tell Grayson. She said, you know what, I didn't even realize it, let me find out, and I'll get back to you. So she talked to the little boy, and then she went and talked to the principal, and sent an email back to Mary Jo, come to find out, he didn't have pajamas. He, was, he comes from a, a poor, uh, poor family, and 
They're, they're not necessary is kind of the idea that I got. Shows my ignorance on some level. But he didn't have pajamas. And I don't know if the school or if Mary Jo and Grayson went. I don't know. But the next pajama day, this little boy had pajamas to wear. Because Grayson noticed it. And he, and he reached out. As moms, as mom and dad, we, we try to nurture that. We try to encourage that. We, we get, Grayson, I love your heart for people. I love how God's wired you and you use your heart for people. How you look to see where, where people are having a bad day and you want, to, you want to help out. You want to cheer them up. You're a great friend. We nurture that, encourage that, so that one day he won't need us anymore. Our three-year-old, she, Molly Kate, she, she is only three, so we don't know exactly. You know, She's still being formed, but it, 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 her personality. But if I said, hey, did everybody in your kids... Or I saw somebody in your class didn't have pajamas on. Why do you think that was? And she'll say, she would say, what does that have to do with me? <laughs> well, that's true, Molly Kate. I was just thought maybe we could get him get him some pajamas. I'll tell, tell that story. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with me is what she would say. But she loves rules. She loves rules. And so we we encourage that. We 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 uh, uh, try try to bring them up. We, we try to bring her up. Mold her it, with, with, with this idea of loving rules. We'll say, hey, rules are great. I, I love that you love rules, but you know what? When you break the rules, mom and dad still love you. When you break the rules, God still loves you. That's actually why he sent his son, Jesus. Because he knows we're never going to keep all the rules, Molly Kay. And so that's why Jesus came. He, he invades that space whenever we break the rules. And, and we, can't even, we, we, we can't keep them the way that we want to. That's why Jesus came. And so we bring her up with this love of rules the best we can. Now, I'm giving you two times we were successful. There are, I could give you many, many more where we were not. But that's what we're encouraged to do, to bring them up, to nurture them, to encourage them, to find out how our kids are wired, and then to develop that so that there will come a time that they don't need us anymore. But he doesn't stop there. He says, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, when the Apostle Paul put of the Lord, this would have been astonishing. This would have, this would have blown their minds, the original readers, because they would not have been surprised if he said, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the law if it was the Jewish crowd that he was talking to. Because that's what they did. They brought them up in the, the discipline and the instruction of the law. But that's not what Paul said. And for the Greeks, uh, they would not have been surprised if he had said, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the philosophers. Because that's what they did. They would study the philosophers. They would, they would teach their kids philosophy and what the Socrates uh, taught and, and the other philosophers. And so he, they wouldn't have been surprised if he had said that. Now today, we wouldn't have been surprised if he had said, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of education. We wouldn't have been surprised if he had said, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the arts. Or bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of athletics. But that's not what Paul said. He said, no, I want you to use all of those things. They're all good things. But I want to use them. I want you to leverage them for great. I want you to take the education. I want you to leverage it. Teach, encourage your kids to go to school. Encourage them to, to, do, to, to, to pursue education as they, as they want and they desire. 
But I want you to, that's not the end. I want you to leverage that for something greater. I want you to pursue the arts. I'm glorified in the arts. But I don't want that to be the end game. I want you to leverage that for something greater. Athletics, they teach you a lot about who you are. And about what it means to get along with people. But, but that's not the end game for us, Paul says. I want you to leverage that for that good thing for something greater. And what is greater? The discipline and the instruction of the Lord. That literally means Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. I want you, fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, friends, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't put a weight on them so that they're dispirited. Don't put a weight on them so they throw up their hands and go, why even try anymore? Instead, I want you to bring them up, train them, encourage them, mold them to the point that one day they will no longer need you anymore. Train them up in the discipline and the instruction of Jesus. Now, here's the truth. We all fail at that. There's only one perfect dad. And so we need cheerleaders. We need encouragers. We need to be challenged as parents. And that is why we do parent and child dedication. These parents have invited us along for the ride in a sense to challenge, to encourage, and to pray for them, and for all the rest of our kids that call Wellspring Church home. In our context, that happens mainly in home groups. I mean, on, on Sunday mornings, you can only, you can only uh, know so much. Conversation can only happen at, 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 at a surface level in our context. But that's why we push and encourage. We're going to hear a little bit more about that in just a second. Why we encourage them. Let me give you an example. Encourage home groups. Let me give you an example. Just this past weekend, my home group, the one that I attend at the Goswick's house. We had an incident um, where the, we were eating and the kids were downstairs eating because you're not living, living if you're not eating with your friends. Um, and so we were hanging out, we were eating dinner, and our kids were downstairs. They were, they were eating, and one of them ran up and said, hey, something, some, such and such happened. And... Um, Later that evening, we, we started talking to We found out what happened as parents, and we started talking to each other. And, and later that evening, we were talking to our kids, finding out what, what happened. And then the conversation carried over into Monday and Tuesday over Facebook, a messenger, uh, the, the message part of it. Not for all the world to see is what I guess I'm saying. <laughs> Where there's just a conversation that was happening. And, we, and, and our desire as parents was to find out what happened, and then to correct it, to, to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And, uh, you know, piecing uh, different stories together, it, began, it became obvious exactly what happened downstairs. And we had a conversation with our kids, our oldest one mainly, Grayson. We said, hey, is this what happened? No, no, no. And then finally he said yes. And, and he said, I'm sorry. I didn't tell the truth initially. Uh, I'm sorry about that. And, and from what I understand, based on the conversation, other conversations were happening just like this in, in their households. Where they were, kids were saying, no, that's not what happened. Okay, yes it is. And then we were able, as a, as a, as a group, in our, in our individual houses, we were able to say, hey, I want you to just know something. So and so, they, 
they, they forgive you, Grayson. They love you. They want to see you walk with Jesus. And so-and-so, who else, another family in our group, I just want you to know, they're having the same conversation with, with their kids. And they, they forgive you. They said that, that they forgive you. And they are sorry that their kids were involved. And they love you. And they desire to see you walk with Jesus. And that happened in about four different households where all of the parents were saying, hey, there's going to be consequences, yes. But everybody loves you. Everybody in our home group forgives you. And they desire to see you walk with Jesus. That's what all nine of the parents of the kids that we dedicated this morning were inviting you and I to be a part of. On different levels, yes. But that happens in a group. And that is why I'm so passionate about it. It happens, obviously, different groups have different dynamics. And they're different ages. Although they're, we try to have them multiple ages. And, and our group is like that. We have some that, that don't have any kids that are in the house anymore. And they're smiling and they're laughing and they're saying, you're doing it right. I remember the days. And you're going to make it. I think that's mine right there. <laughs> but that's what happens in home groups. It doesn't have to be you know, a sanctioned one, but you have to invite people in that love Jesus and will encourage you to not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You're all going to fail. I'm going to fail. But we have, we have a church family who loves you, loves your kids, and wants to see them walk with Jesus. Not become moral. That's not the goal. By God's grace, I hope it happens. But that's not the goal. Our goal is that our kids love Jesus. And that happens in the context of a community that will encourage you, pray for you, and love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being a part of a church that allows this to happen where it's encouraged to happen, where, where forgiveness is offered when it's necessary, and it's, and it's necessary often, where love overflows even to my kids, where encouragement overflows even to my kids. And Father, I know not everybody in here this morning is at that stage of life. Maybe that's, that's in the future, maybe it's in the past, but, but the context and the understanding and the, the application, it, it, applies in every stage of life. And Lord, I pray each person would walk away understanding and knowing that. For your glory and for our good. In your name we pray. Amen.